in the communities that they serve. Really, really great episode for you today. We have a returning attorney, Akisha Al-Shabazz uh, from New York City, or from New York. She has uh, been a prosecutor. She's been she's currently a defense attorney. And we are going to talk about the George Floyd uh, trial that is just beginning to get underway. They are just as of uh, last Friday, uh, March 19th. They have just completed uh, the, or at least gotten 12 jurors. And they're going to be looking from two to four alternates. I believe that's still going on underway as I record this uh, introduction. So she came on the show and we had a great, great conversation just talking about uh, where they are with the trial and what, what we can expect with the trial. Uh, it's still very preliminary. Uh, it's still, you know, just kind of getting underway. We do know that they have included a murder three charge. They were able to reinstate that. Um, so we're just going to have to see and just kind of a little bit of speculation as to what's going on with this particular trial. So I really want to appreciate her coming on the show. She's been on the show before. We did a show back in the summer of 2020. Uh, so that is not in these audio archive so if you're listening to this you can go over to captain hunters podcast on facebook or captain hunters podcast on youtube and you can search for her name uh and search for that particular episode which came on back in uh, the summer of 2020 we had a great really great conversation about the george floyd armored arbery uh, brianna taylor all these particular incidents in the riots and unrests that were going on at that particular time so head on over to that particular aspect or that particular show and um, check, check it out. So once again, she is re returning uh, to talk about this particular instance. On the first show that she did, she talked about her book, Black Girl Slim. It's about her journey uh, dealing with weight. She's now a fitness model, works out, and all that kind of good stuff. And she mentioned that many times in the African-American community, too many times we're leading in, in, in very positive uh, aspects, but one of the things that we're continuing to fall behind on is our health and our weight. And we're still leading in those in those areas as well, as far as the weight being up. So she wants to talk about her journey and and uh, just how uh, she overcame that and now is a fitness model and is an inspiration for so many different people. You can head out over to her Instagram. That's Ike Speaks. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram and you can check out some of her pictures of her uh, in her uh, doing her uh, working out and her shows that she's been in and things like that so uh make sure you check out check that out oh and make sure that you check out my book police reform uh a retired police captain's perspective on the evolution of law enforcement in america and how to improve the criminal justice system uh that is now available on amazon now available on barnes and noble in the uh, paperback form i'm still working on it getting into the ebook form i myself would, would rather have an ebook uh, for my own personal collection, but everybody, everyone is different. So whatever method that you decide to uh, purchase it on. So I will let you know when it's available in ebook form. But in the meantime, uh, pick up that, that copy of it today. So it, once again, it is on Amazon. It is on Barnes & Noble. It is available on lulu.com and all that. So you can also go to my website, hunterpolicetraining.com uh, and pick up a copy there or order your copy. You can support the podcast through PayPal Cash App and Venmo. All of those are CPTL Hunter. Uh, PayPal also is C-A-P-T-H-U-N-T-E-R, Capt Hunter as well. You can also support the podcast through the means of uh, just uh, um, rating, subscribing, and sharing. Also remember, if you have an episode suggestion, cptlhunter at gmail.com. Someone you want me to interview or someone you want me to speak with or someone you want to have on a show 
I guess all those are really the same thing, right? <laughs> or if there's someone that you want me, to, uh, or some topic that you want, want to discuss or take a look at, uh, all of those are available there. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's the interview with Ms. Akisha Al-Sabaz, uh, attorney at law. I, I just hit the live button, so we're, we're going to be live here. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just jump right into it here. So, I, I mean, this is kind of a last minute thing. So I did put the advertisements out, as you saw, and with the wrong date on it. And, uh, <laughs> I got I to gotta have somebody to proofread my stuff. I'm like, people are always telling me, listen, that, that date's wrong. This is spelled wrong. Like, oh, my God. My, I got, I, that's one thing I definitely got to work on is my attention to detail. But anyway. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Short notice, but thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into the heart of the matter here, so let's just uh, talk about COVID a little bit, what you've been up to, how you've been dealing and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it is so funny that you are talking about COVID right now. So I've been tested three times. I traveled outside of New York and when I returned, I had forced quarantine for 10 days. Um, I was negative each time. My sons, though, have visited their dad. Uh, two weeks ago, and yesterday, he said he was having symptoms. This morning, and he's an asthmatic, um, so I'm concerned about him. Um, I'm taking my sons tomorrow morning to get tested, just in case they're asymptomatic carriers because they haven't had any symptoms. But yeah, it's you know, COVID is still real. Um, but you know, I have not let it keep me from living. I you know I still go out, I go dine, I'm still dating, I'm still in the universe, I'm still at the gym. I, I see you in the gym, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Masked up, of course, except for okay. you know, every now and then I really am about to die. Um, mm. But for the most part, uh, but you know I'm living and, and we're you know we're getting by, we're getting through it. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. I am positive. Oh, but, uh, and, how, old, how old are your kids? Kids. 25 <laughs> and 17. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I call mine kids too. My daughter, my youngest is 23. I'm like, you guys are kids. I'm like, right, you got kids. You know, they're ordering, bring them out of order and, you know, beers. And I'm like, right. Of course I have it. I, guess. <laughs> I took my oldest to buy a cell phone the other day and the guy was like, why are you so involved? I was like, because I'm paying. I'm the mother. He was like, oh, I thought you was his wife. My son was like, no. Wow. <laughs> it's all right, son. Say it with me. Mom. Oh, man. I would, I would be like, for some type of way. My daughter said, oh, that's not my dad. I'm like, I mean, oh, that's not my husband. I'm like, what? <laughs> I could be your husband. What's wrong? With <laughs> right, listen, I ain't, listen. I mean, there's still some pep in my step. What you talking about? You better. Um, so, uh, so, so that's COVID. Um, yeah. what's your thoughts about, um, uh, going on in Atlanta, uh, the oh, shooting okay. that happened at the, you know, eight people are dead and what's your, what's your thoughts about that? Tragic, tragic, tragic. Um, you know, my heart goes out to the families of those people. Unfortunately for us, the continued media is always focused on the perpetrator and we don't get to know much about the victims except for that they were, you know, their sex and their, their, their nationality or something like that. Um, so we need to know more about the victims so that we can properly pay respect to them. Um, I don't think that as a black person, that it is, um, it is against uh, pro-blackness 
to have some sympathy and compassion for other races uh, or nationalities that are dealing or going through um, a tough time. And so uh, I think it's tragic. Um, but I, you know, when when it when it hit the news waves, I was like, so this is somebody out from bail from the from the Capitol, <laughs> storm storming the Capitol. I really thought it was somebody like that, and it was somebody like that. Wait a minute, I didn't hear that. Well, he he, he was on bail from the Capitol. But as far as I'm concerned, he's a white supremacist. They can say that this was about sex, but I um, I doubt that very seriously. Well, well, I, I don't believe that either. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, but I did want to ask you about that. You know, he's t saying it's uh, I had a I had a sex addiction, whatever that is, <laughs> you know, uh, seven miles from one uh, spot to another. Uh, there were no spot, no other places in between in that 27 mile radius that you could right. you you specifically targeted Asian spots. This is Atlanta. Yeah, this is Atlanta. Come on. How many other spots were there? Right. Black home right. spas or or other, you know, non-Asian spas. You selected these particular spas for a reason. And it's because they were Asian. Right. Yeah. So why they're not calling this a hate crime? Well, because he's white. <laughs> right? I'm not even gonna mince words because he's white. And that does not look good in the media. Do you think that they'll ever get to that point? I I'm I'm skeptical. skeptical. I hope skeptical. so. Uh, I'm always skeptical when it comes to them doing uh, doing right when the, the defendant is white. Oh, I just robbed. I didn't even mean to. But <laughs> I am. I am. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I definitely think you're right. I, I mean, I wish that they would just get get quicker with that. I mean, if it's not, it's not. You know, we don't want them to say something is when right. it isn't. Right. But I mean, as you mentioned, you know, he's, he's targeting these, these certain people. And he may have had, a you know, a certain fetish for for you know um for asian women i mean that, that's certainly possible but you know but you know domestic terrorism is is a real real threat um you know we, you and i haven't haven't talked what, what were your thoughts about the capital uh, when you saw that go oh down? my goodness um i thought it was predictable i thought it was outlandish um and i thought it was indicative of what happens when white people are frustrated compared to when black people are frustrated, right? It's okay for them to resort to violence. It's okay then. But when we resort to violence, that it's never okay then. It's never okay. Um, and I, just that contrast was really interesting. And these people who are supposed to be so pro-police were attacking police officers, mm. you know, attacking police officers. So um, I was disgusted. I was disgusted by it, really and truly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty much all of our sentiments. You know, we're all disgusted by it, and and and, and very, very sad. And I don't know how much you pay attention to politics, but but the whole thing that is going on after that, the, the apologetics, and you know, this this whole you know Jedi mind trick that these politicians are trying to pull on us now. It's not this way, and you know, maybe it was really Black Lives Matter undercover and. What? <laughs> yeah, it was Antifa, dressed up as Trump supporters. What? What are you getting this from? It's, it's crazy, it's crazy. I think not to take accountability for their role, right? right? And so, if I can distance myself away from this or make this not be uh, people that I once supported, then you know, or support I'll, us, right? Right, or, right. Support. or support us. I'll do that. I'll yeah. do that. Yep. Yeah. Political uh, landscape is. 
<laughs> there are absolutely no words um, for the blight that is politics right now. And particularly uh, this, the, this, the system of, of having parties, right? We've got a Democratic Party that, that does nothing. And then we've got a Republican Party that's so corrupt in everything it is doing. Mm. Uh, we, people, it's so much talk about things like reparations and, you know, you see people posting about H.R. 40. H.R. 40 has been introduced since 1987. This is the bill to study reparations. Mm. Now we've got we've got voting voting protection laws that are not being passed that are getting stuck in the Senate. We've got a filibuster problem. We've got a president who has dementia. Hear <laughs> what anyone says? Like seriously, and, and I don't know how long they're going to be able to hide this from the American people. But he's not well, mm. and I think it's obvious to a lot of people. He wasn't well when he was on a campaign trail talking about hair on his legs. Who does yeah. that? Who does yeah. that? Who talks about kids uh, rubbing hair on, on their legs at a pool and sitting on their laps? And, and now I know a lot about roaches. I don't know. That comment to me, I was like, why didn't they cut this man's mic when he said that? <laughs> I would have been like, get him off the stage. <laughs> He clearly was gone in the yeah. moment. He was yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, he was somewhere. He was definitely somewhere else. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> this is the yeah. level of desperation. I mean, that he, that's the best we could offer. Right, right. All those candidates that were running for president. And he was the best one? The best? No, he wasn't the best. What is the agenda then? <laughs> like, you know, you really don't want progressives. You want things to stay just the way they are. So all of this whole, you know, the progressive movement... Well, it's a joke. Yeah, a joke yeah. because they all just want things to say just the way they are. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, it's definitely bad. What? What? Just, we we just touched on a little bit these these different. We're gonna talk about a bunch of other stuff besides the Joe Floyd thing. What is your thoughts about this? Uh, uh, two hundred and fifty bills are going out trying to stop people from voting. Yeah, uh, across the across the country. Yeah. What's your what's your thoughts about that? I mean, this, is, this is this is standard. They saw what happened in places like Georgia, mm -hmm. and they said we must do something. And they make no qualms about when they are when when they are asked about the purpose of this legislation. Mm -hmm. In different varying places, they will tell you straight faced. Well, we are at a disadvantage if we allow this type of voting. Motherfucker, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna change the policy. We're not gonna change the policies. We're gonna change the rules. What? <laughs> we can't have them early voting. We can't make it so that it's convenient for them to get to a polling station. And if they can get to a polling station, we want to make sure that they have a state ID. What? And, and when it comes to the Equal Protection Clause, just for a moment, I live in New York. When I vote, I don't take ID. I don't need ID. They say, where do you live? What's your address? Or what's your name? I give them my name. They pull it up. I sign. I vote. I don't need ID. So why do you need ID anyplace else? Mm. Right? If you, you're entitled to equal protection of the law, we all should be treated the same. Why is an election day a national holiday? Because they don't want people to vote. They don't want you to come out and vote. 
They really do not. Mm. If it wasn't so important for you to vote, they wouldn't be trying so hard to keep you from voting. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. It's you a know? really, really good point. My, my personal favorite is, again, I think it's in Georgia, where they want to make it illegal for people to bring snacks yes, and water to people. On. That, come I on. think, is awesome. <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> We're going to make you stand in line for, for eight and nine and ten hours, and then somebody brings you something to eat. <laughs> I'm criminalizing that activity. Like, what is the legitimate purpose of that law? I don't understand, and and the temerity, the to the audacity for you to propose some type of legislation like that. Just speak it out your face, right? Okay, right. put this on paper. Like, right. did you read this? You know we all, you know we can read, right? We know. <laughs> we see you, right? You know we can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's mind boggling. It's my family, but it should tell you something, right? It should speak to you and tell you that this is a concerted effort to keep black people, brown people from the polls. Absolutely yeah. concerted effort in, 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 in many different places. It's, it's yeah. insane. It's all over the country. All over the country. All over the country. Oh, I don't know what the uh, 20, what, 2020, 24, I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm. I don't know what that's gonna look like. Scary times. Scary yeah. times. I, I'm concerned about that. With between these voter laws that we're talking about and concerning these uh, white supremacy took over the Capitol, this this stuff is not over. No. Oh. It's not over. I'm concerned about it. I really am. It's not over at all. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because they are. I mean, you have to look at the numbers. Seventy-five million people voted for Trump. Doesn't that scare the hell out of you? That scares the hell out of me. Well, not scare, because I don't, I don't deal with this frequency of fear, but it concerns me, right? <laughs> Doesn't it concern the hell out of you? <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It like all my antenna is up. It does concern me, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It needs to concern a lot more people. It should concern a lot more people. It yeah. really, really should. But it people, really, really should. You know, people aren't are not paying attention, and the reality is, is we do not have an informed citizenry. Mm. So you know that's difficult. It's difficult to form a more perfect union. Yeah. We don't have an informed citizenry. Well, and they don't want us informed, right? You know, yeah. I think I think Denzel put it the best. If you watch the news. You're misinformed. If you don't watch it, <laughs> then you're not informed. Right, right, right. Yes. What, what do you do? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, you have to you know one of the things that I, I am a college professor, um, and uh, I've been teaching at a CUNY school since 2017. And you know, I try to give my students more than just what's in the textbook. Um, and one of the things that I'm always encouraging them to do is be intellectually curious. Right, whatever is there, look it up. Just be curious about a thing. Do your own independent research, right? Take in the opinions of others because you cannot critically think about anything if you only have your opinion, right? So, you know, I encourage anyone who's listening or watching, you know, to develop your own intellectual curiosity. Mm. I uh, just uh, the other day I recorded an episode with uh, a, 
a PhD in Britain. And uh, so his uh, area of expertise that he's getting his PhD in is a conspiracy theories. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was really, it was really, really good episode. I can't wait to, re I can't wait to release it. You got a real tin hat, huh? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's, it was a really, really good episode. I don't want to give away a lot of it, but he, just just the reasons that people, you know, fall fall for these conspiracy theories. Because I want to know, you know, what's what's going on in these people's heads, you know? Um, I guess in England, I never knew this. Uh, in England, people think that the queen, the queen of England, is actually some type of lizard that that transforms at night or something like that. And, and he was serious about this. First, I thought he was pulling my leg, but this is a real conspiracy theory that's going on in England. <laughs> Not just England, right? There is a whole uh, school of thought that reptilians, and I believe that's what they're referring to when they talk about lizard people, uh, it's reptilians um, that are in control of this country and government. So there are some, there are some there's, it's a school of thought, right? It's a school of thought. Uh, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily like to subscribe to the conspiracy theory um, mantra because, you know, as black people, we have been subjected to so many different atrocities, right? And let's just take the Tuskegee experiment, right? Some people at one point thought that was a conspiracy theory. Mm. Some people were like, "There's no way the American, the government did that. Get out of here," right? Until it was shown and it was proven and it was documented and the government acknowledged it and started paying people, right? So, you know, I don't like to just cast away things. I, I like to do the research. You know, it, it again, it, it sparks my intellectual curiosity. Mm. Why, why would you think that? Let me go see, right? Mm. Some people think flat earthers. That's a conspiracy theory. I don't know. I think it's a school of thought. It's just a different school of thought. Mm. You know, I, some of it makes a lot of sense, right? So I don't, I don't like to reject anything out of hand. I'm, I, I grew up as a five percent. I was always taught to take the best part of all things, and so okay. even a conspiracy theory, there might be something in there you could, you could take. Well, maybe the Queen of England it really is a lizard. Well, maybe she's a reptilian. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> So we want to have a conversation about uh, the George Floyd trial, which is beginning to get underway. And really want to, you know, get your thoughts and opinions. Yes. Uh, we learned today that they just got all twelve jurors. So just kind of to walk us through the jury process. You're obviously a, a lawyer. You've been through the process. Just, yes. you know, just kind of dispel some myths for us about what goes on during that process. Well, first, let me just say that they have twelve jurors, but they're not done with jury selection, right? Because they need either two to four alternates, as per Judge Cahill's. Um, rulings. He says he's going to pick two, maybe four. So they have to continue jury selection until they have the number of alternates required, right? Because if any juror gets sick, that juror needs to be replaced so that the trial can continue. If they only have 12 and one of the jurors gets struck by a bus, then they're going to have to have a mistrial and do this all over again. Okay. So the process of jury selection, um, in what if you've been watching it, um, is where you basically are going through people who have been summoned to court. They usually use the uh, driver's registration or the voter's roll, which is another reason why it's important for you to vote, right? Because some of the um, towns and counties, when they are pulling uh, prospective jurors, this is where they're pulling them from. This is where they're pulling them from. So if you're not registered to vote or 
you're not voting, then you're not going to, you might not get a jury summons. And we need you. We need black people on juries because most of the trials are black defendants. And they need jurors of their peers, right? So the people come in and they're told a little bit about the trial, give some scheduling information first, find out who can't even be here, right? If you can't be here, this trial is going to last maybe a month. That might not be something. You might be a, a solo business owner, right? That's going to cause you a financial hardship. That's an that's a reason why you could be excused for jury duty, right? Financial hardship. Uh, you have small children. You won't be able to uh, be here cons consistently or continuously um, without another hardship, whatever. So they'll excuse whoever can't be for whatever reasons, and then they'll start what's called voir dire or voir dire. Some people call it dire. I hate that word. I say dire. Voir dire, which is the questioning of the prospective jurors who have stayed, right, since the process of weeding them out uh, in terms of scheduling, right? So these are the jurors that are stayed. They are then asked a series of questions to determine whether or not they can be fair and impartial. And so because this case was a press case, a lot of the questions stemmed around whether or not they had had an opportunity to see the video and whether or not having seen the video would affect their ability to be fair and impartial. And a lot of jurors were honest. Some jurors said yes, some jurors said it would, right? And then obviously 12 jurors said it wouldn't. Um, and so we're at the point where we have 12 jurors. During the jury process, um, those prospective jurors can be excused for a number of different reasons. They can be excused for cause, meaning they have said something that has indicated that they they cannot be fair and impartial, right? And so either side, the prosecution or the defense can ask the court, the judge, to excuse that juror because that juror cannot be fair. That juror said X or that juror said Y. Uh, sometimes the parties agree. Sometimes they have to, you know, hash it out. And well, he said he, he could. He said he could be fair, though, right? And they go back and forth, and then the judge will decide whether or not that person is excused for cause. You have unlimited applications to excuse a juror for cause, right? Unlimited. There's something else called a preemptory challenge, right? And the I, I'm not sure how many uh, each party got in this case. I think the uh, defense got 15, and I think the prosecution may have gotten like 10 or 12. Um, so those are limited, what we call challenges, right? You only, you have a specific number. Uh, it's typically the number of challenge you, challenges you have is tied to the level of the offense. So the more serious the offense, the more challenges you have, okay? So you can exercise those challenges and excuse the juror for any reason or no reason so long as that reason is not based on race or gender or sex or some other discriminatory purpose, right? You cannot just excuse all the women. You can't because you don't want women on your jury. That's going to get you what's called a Batson challenge. And the Supreme Court said you can't do that, right? And so the court would then ask you, why are you excusing all the women? And if you don't have, or all the black people, if you don't have a race neutral or gender neutral reason for why you're excusing these jurors, then the court will probably seat them. Okay. So um, we're at 12 jurors and we need two to four more uh, alternates. And then they'll be done with jury selection and on to 
the prosecutor's case in chief, which means the prosecutor uh, makes the opening statement, the defense makes an opening statement, and then the prosecutor starts presenting their case uh, to the jury. So that's where we are. Now, there was a number of pretrial motions that will be decided tomorrow, which will be really interesting. Um, the biggest one I think that most people are talking about is the defense's application to introduce a, a video of George Floyd during a traffic stop from 2019. Their argument is that he had ingested drugs in the 2019 traffic stop, um, had to be taken to the hospital, um, and that the same thing is happening in 2020 when he is stopped, he ingested drugs, they allege, that's their, their argument. Um, they don't have to prove it and the jury doesn't have to accept it. There was drugs found in his system, so it's a good uh, it's a it's a, a good faith argument for the defense to make, um, and that the cause of death this goes to causation that the cause of death is not Derek Chauvin's fault, but because he had uh, other pre existing conditions that were complicated by his drug use. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be interesting how that plays out because. There's a medical examiner's report that says, and of course, you know, they probably have other experts that are going to come. The defense probably has an expert that's going to come and refute the prosecutor's expert. Um, but the medical examiner's report basically states that he died from those cert certain health complications, which were complicated, further complicated by the like positional asphyxiation, right? Or the, the, the knee on the neck, basically, right? So that's there. But the defense is going to try to refute that by bringing in another expert to say that he basically expired as a result of an overdose or the drugs he took or a bad heart or COVID complications and things like that. Because I think it came out that he had uh, previously had COVID. Um, yeah. yeah, to that effect. So causation is a, is a, is a factor. They recently, uh, what's your opinion? They, they just allowed the murder three charge in again. Yes, yes. Um, I, my opinion is that's the right thing. They should never <laughs> have taken it out. Um, but I think procedurally the way that happened, so let's go back. Um, initially, the grand jury indicted him on third degree murder, right? And the judge just decided that the facts did not support a third degree murder charge. And the, the judge threw it out. The prosecution then asked the judge to reconsider. The judge denied it. The prosecution appealed. In, in, in around the same time, the appeal for Muhammad Noor, who is a Minnesota police officer who was convicted for third degree murder for shooting Justine, Justine, I, I don't know her, Dr Drummond. I think it's I think it's Drummond, Dumont. I don't remember her name. Dumont, yeah. Drummond, and uh, no disrespect here. Uh, just, you know, I'm old. <laughs> But y'all <laughs> watching? Put it up. <laughs> I'm <playing> out. <laughs> but so there was a an appeal. He had appealed his conviction. So the high court came down and said, no, uh, third degree uh, murder can be applicable to uh, a single person because the theory was that third degree murder only applied if it was if, if you were like recklessly shooting into a crowd. Right, and you were affecting a crowd of people. But the high court said, no, 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 because Noor only shot one person. That, that was enough. That's enough for third degree. And so the 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 lower court judge Cahill's 
thinking at the time was that you can't apply it to just one person, George Floyd. Judge Floyd was ineffectively overturned by the high court. And so they sent it back down and said, hey, you have to change your ruling. And that has to be consistent with what we just said. And we just said that you can, you can, this can apply to an individual person. And so Judge Cahill said, well, the high court has spoken and this can apply to individual persons to wit George Floyd, just like it applied to an individual person when it uh, came to Mohammed Noor. That's stare decisis, right? Oh, you know, pretty much. That's, some, yeah. that's the way it should go. That's the way it should go. And so just uh, as an aside, Muhammad Noor was sentenced to 12 and a half years. And, and is that still being upheld or that's still under appeal? No, that the appeal, they just came down. They just ruled that that it was okay. Okay. They upheld the conviction. Okay. On third degree. Yeah, that's been it's been a while now, right? Five, six years for him, right? So he's probably remember what year, but that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah. It's been a few years. Um so can let me just read the third degree because I I didn't pull up the exact statute, but I pulled up a uh an article. Third degree murder requires prosecutors to prove that someone caused the death of another by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and inventing a depraved mind without regard to human life. So that language, an act eminently dangerous to others, is what Judge Cahill said. This wasn't others. This was only one person. So it doesn't apply. But the high court said, no, no, one person is others. Okay. That, that's good. <laughs> right? Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's where we are with that. Okay. Uh, in your humble opinion there, they have a good chance of getting these convictions of murder two or three, or what do you think? You know, I, it depends on what the evidence is, what evidence is going to come in. And at this point, it's unclear. It's unclear what the prosecution strategy is. And it's unclear to me what the defense's strategy is uh, entirely. I, I get that they're going to argue causation. Right. But I, I think they should argue. Well, we, I'm a defense attorney. Right. So I, I got to I don't think they should argue coordination. I think they should argue what's in his mind at the time he's doing his job. Right. One of the charges is that he, that he George Floyd died while he was being assaulted. Right. And so that requires a mental uh, mens rea, a, a culpable mental state. I would I would argue my client never intended right, to assault anyone. And he certainly didn't intend to kill George Floyd. That's where you, you wanna go, you know? You don't wanna really argue causation is because they're watching a video of nine minutes and they have a medical examiner, examiner that's speaking to how that affected this man. So I don't know that, that that's gonna cut it for the defense. We talked about a couple of different uh, professional witnesses that are going to come in, psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what are your thoughts about about these different psychiatrists? The prosecution, in particular, wants to bring one in right. that you and I agree is kind of like, what are y'all doing? And I'm not a lawyer, right. <laughs> and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night either, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so the prosecution wants to introduce a psychologist who's going to testify that at some time prior to this event, George Floyd had had a gun pointed to his head. And as a result of that, had a uh, basically a traumatic response to the police stopping him, um, which is why he responded in the way he did. 
right? Where he was, you know, not very compliant, I would say. I wouldn't say he was resisting, but I would say he wasn't the most compliant, um, which may have gotten escalated because more police came, um, which I don't, sometimes it doesn't help because you don't know which cop to listen to. One cop is pulling you this way, one cop is pulling you that way. One cop says, put your hands on your head, the other cop says, put your hands up. It's like, wait, what, what, what do you want me to do? Um, and so uh, it's not really clear to me um, what happens after that. It's not really clear. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know where they're going, right? So they're going to argue that he was so uh, traumatized by the police stop and that's why he wasn't compliant. The problem with that is that if they do that, then how do they explain the same exact behavior in 2019 when there wasn't the impetus of a gun having been put in his face right before this the, the stop? And he, he engaged in the same behavior, calling for his mother, um, talking about, I've just been shot, things of that nature. Well, I have been shot before, something like that. How do they explain that happening in 2019? Mm -hmm. Right? It's not an isolated incident. Or are they arguing that this is how he always responds? You know, it's not really, it's not clear to me. And, and I'm a former prosecutor. Let me say that. I'm a former prosecutor. I was a prosecutor for five years in Manhattan. Um, and I'm not really sure where they're going or why they're going. And sometimes prosecutors tend to overthink things. Um, and then there's also this, um, that dynamic, that race dynamic, right? And I think this is where having a black prosecutor changes the game, right? Because black prosecutors can tell the story of black people better than anyone else, right? And th they might be able to explain it without an expert. Uh, Clever, Clever says, "I can't leave out the fact that they had prior history working security together." Nothing, nothing has been made of that, right? I have not seen that be mentioned at all in this trial, and I don't know that there's any credence to it because I haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've heard, I've heard about it, yeah. but I have not seen it verified anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Nobody's, nobody's talked about that at all. Yeah, that's a curious thing. Curious thing. Right. Uh, the obviously the defense is going to try to uh, muddy the waters with, uh, as we talked about, um, the the health defects. Right. Of Mr. Floyd, uh, right. is that going to work? You think is that a chance of working? Um. So I don't think it it works because he had all of those health issues in 2019 when he was had the exact same encounter with the police. Right. And if I'm going to go with the kid, but did you die? He didn't die in 2019. Right. He didn't die in 2019. And then, you know, what's the uh, what's the different factor? Derek show is a knee on his neck. Right. Excellent point. Excellent yeah. Point. So, you know, it's one of the things lawyers have to do is be able to use what is perceived as bad evidence for them. Right. So if the prosecutors are thinking that this 2019 video is, is, is bad evidence for them, then they are so they're trying to keep it out. If it comes in, they have to know how to use it. You got to know how to use it. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. You have to know how to use it. And that's the easiest way. Look, this is a video. This happened in 2019. And guess what? He survived. You know why? Because Derek Chauvin didn't have his knee on his neck. What happened in 2020? He died, had the same type of uh, drugs in his system back then, 
that they say he had in his system now, same medical conditions, same type of uh, behavior during the arrest. It was, which is what the defense is arguing. They're arguing that the that these cases, that these uh, arrests, these incidences are so similar that they should be introduced to show that he has a common scheme or plan every time he gets arrested. Mm. Right? Every time you get arrested, this is what you do. You press play and you do the whole, I, I can't believe there's no officer. I'm sorry. I'm playing. I don't understand what happened. My mama, my leg, I got shot. Right? And you do this every time. We'll see. So I don't know how it's going to come out because it depends on what evidence comes in and how that evidence is used, mm. how it's used, how it's used, how it's interpreted for the jury. Because if you don't interpret it for the jury properly, then they make their own interpretations. And that's what you don't want. You do not want that. You want the jury to trust you so much that when you sum up and you tell them what all of this evidence means, they sit there and they're like, yeah, that's what it means. And they adopt your theory of the case, right? Because the judge, part of the instruction, the judge is going to say the opening statement and the summation, that's not evidence. That's not evidence. But if you agree, you can adopt what they say. So you want them to trust you so that when you give them the theory of the case and you, you know, the trial is you hanging up the laundry. The summation is you taking it all down and putting it in a nice basket and saying, here, I gave you all that right there. Do that. That's what that is. And you have to be able to do that effectively. Otherwise, jurors will be left to their own, you know, demise, defense, to thoughts, process. And that's a scary proposition. I can that's, imagine. I can oh, imagine. Oh, my goodness. That's a scary, scary proposition. Just talking to jurors after a trial. The things that they think about that have nothing to do with a trial. Nothing. I had one. I had a trial. Um, the young man was acquitted, but we spoke to um, a couple of jurors after the trial, and um, there had been one juror who had been holding out, and we were like, "What was the what was the reasoning for the holdout?" And her, the reasoning was she didn't want uh, to vote not guilty just in case he was guilty and he committed another crime. What? 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 what, what where are you at? <laughs> just in case he's guilty. No, no, we don't do just in case. We don't do just in case. And so every time I have a trial and hear stuff like that, I gotta, I gotta add that into my next trial, right? So I gotta tell the next set of jurors, you have to find him not guilty, even if you think he's guilty, just in case. He, so he won't go commit another crime. I gotta say that now. Right, because I might get another juror who thinks like that. You know, you don't know. Got to head him off. Got to. You got Clever, to. Clever says, "Will video evidence be presented?" It depends on what the judge lets in. That that ruling will be. Uh, the judge is going to issue his ruling tomorrow on whether the 2019. Well, the 20 whether the 2019 video will come in, but the 2020 video is coming in. Yeah, that's definitely got to come in. That's coming in. All 8:46 of that. If they don't play all 846 of that, they don't win. Yeah, I couldn't sit through that again. Um, I, I could not sit through it. And thank God I'm not on that jury because I could yeah. not sit through, through that again. I, it's going to be a tough day. It's going to be a tough day. That's going to be gonna a be tough a, day. Listen to him call for his mama again. You know, just, I, just, I just can't. I just it's can't. horrible. 
It's horrible. And then to, to watch go from being here to not being here, just to yeah. watch that, you know, and yeah. just see the police officer not respond in any way, in any way, even when he went silent. Yeah. You don't even look down. You don't even look down to check and see. You don't listen to your fellow officer, which I don't even understand why they're prosecuting him because he was telling him to get off. He was telling him to get off of him. Yeah. Why is he not a witness? Why didn't you flip him? Why are you charging? See, this is what that makes me crazy, right? As a former prosecutor, your case would have been a lot stronger if you would have had that cop come testify. You got to testify. Yeah. I'm not going to charge you. You have to come testify. You were there and you told him to get off. Why'd you do that? What did you see? Right? Because you perceive something. And so it was perceivable. And that means Derek Chauvin perceived it too. And he disregarded it. That's what you want to argue as a prosecutor. You saw it. You had to see it because your fellow officer saw it. They, that's what they use. You know, fellow officer rule. They use that any other time when they want to justify what one officer does based on what another officer did or said. Right? One officer can have probable cause based on what another officer did or said. And so how come you can't use that to import that this officer had to know that there, that George Floyd was struggling in some way because this officer knew. It's a, it's an excellent point. I mean, their trial starts in August, I think. The other two or three officers yeah, there. Yeah. If well, you know, if they're not going to have a trial, if Chauvin is acquitted, they won't have a trial. I I bend my house on that. You saw that when in uh down in uh Baltimore with Freddie Gray, mm -hmm. right? right. When that right. cop was acquitted, those other cops weren't even tried. We, yeah. we, we, we're not wasting resources around here. If we can't get the big fish, we know we can't get the little fish. Yeah, you're definitely not going to. I I think even if Chauvin's acquit, uh, convicted, I think I don't think they're going to get found yeah, guilty. Yeah, I, I, they probably won't go after those. I, I don't think. I, I mean, I probably just, that might even just say, listen, just, you know, quit and don't become a cop anywhere else and we'll, you know, everything could be all set. If they're smart, they, they'll flip them down. You still have an opportunity. Yeah. Flip them down. We'll dismiss your case. You come testify. I am. That is a curious. You're, you're right about that. How come they haven't asked him to testify or 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 anything like that? Subpoena him, right? Dismiss against him. Subpoena. You got to come testify. You and and you. This is you on the video. It's not like you actually have to say something we don't already have recorded. What did you say at that time? That was you. You said right. We just want to get it in front of the jury, and then you make the argument about what that means. He doesn't have to say. I I know Derek Chauvin also saw that George Floyd was in distress. He doesn't have to say that. That's the argument the prosecutor is going to make. Once you get one officer's admission that he knew this man was in distress, then you impute it to the other officer. Oh, that's that's what I would do. <laughs> you would be going down if it was me, but it ain't me. <laughs> But he might get off it was me too. I mean, I ain't gonna front. Yeah. A couple of comments here. Uh officer took pride in his actions. Uh I assume talking about Chauvin. He probably he probably did. He probably did. Who knows what was going on? 
He probably did, but that's not a, that's not an argument you can make in court. Right. You know? uh, Chris says uh, one should not expose themselves to unnecessary trauma, i.e., snuff films, real life injury or fatality. Chris is an expert in uh, you know trauma and all that kind of stuff, and you know just just the things that you know people see. We and it, I agree with that. We should not be watching it, but if you got to sit in that jury trial, you got to you got to sit there and watch that again. And I just I just could not do it. I could not do it. I could yeah. not do it. So. And I'm sure that there were a lot of jurors who just said, I, I can't do it. And I think um, the judge might also be considering a change of venue motion. Well, are they still going to consider that now that they got the jurors, though? That's, I mean, they, they were thinking about that before. Well, uh, it's a result of the most recent uh, public, public publicity uh, that came along with the fact that the family uh, settled right. and received an award for $27 million. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. There were some jurors. There was actually uh, one seated juror who said after hearing, after learning that, uh, she could no longer, or he could no longer be impartial. I remember it was a man or a woman and was excused. Right. And so that's why this new development um, sort of, you know, is having the, the court reconsider whether or not a change of venue would be appropriate. Um, but I, you know, I don't maybe, know. I don't I know. Gonna, if now, like you say, but uh, maybe it matters for the last two to four jurors. I don't know. I listen. That would sway me. To, I mean, that's a lot of money, twenty-seven million dollars. Yeah. And um, does does it matter that uh, sequestering the jury, the jury yeah. is that is that a possibility? You know, you're hearing all this stuff, stuff here yeah. and there. You know, is that a possibility? You think? I, I mean, uh, I I think it could be. I think it could be. It could be. It absolutely could be. Depends on you know how long the trial is. Uh, you know what the resources are. The county. I don't know what, what they money looking like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's looking kind of low right now. <laughs> you got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a possibility. I haven't heard um, so far. They they that they have not been sequestered. Um, yeah. And I haven't heard anything about them being sequestered, but you know anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're the prosecutor, would you push for that? Uh, would you? Push um, uh, no. 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 I, don't, I think sequestration makes jurors un, un, unhappy. Okay. You know, and uh, being away from your family or people already. Um, isolated because of COVID and to further isolate them um, just may make them angry and disgruntled and may not receive the evidence in the way you want them to. You know, I want them to be happy. I don't want them to be upset about anything, right? So I don't know that I would push for that unless I saw that there was a real problem, you know, like if the media coverage was so heavy and I don't, it's not heavy. It's not heavy media. If you're not going out to look for it, it's not like on every you know, platform, you know, right. TV is there and, you know, the, the, the court coverages, but it's not really being uh, covered that heavy yet, but maybe it's because it really hasn't gotten underway, right? There hasn't been any opening statements and, and any evidence presented, no witnesses called. Um, so that might change. Uh, do you think uh, a lot of people are thinking it's an open and shut case? I mean, this is kind of a slam dunk for the prosecution. The problem with people. <laughs> Rodney King was an open and shut case. Eric Garner wasn't open and shut. Uh, um, how many videos have we seen? None of them are open and shut. And I think, unfortunately, people who think like that 
Again, you know, you're not thinking critically because you are not uh, leaving room for the fact that there are people who see things differently than you. Two people can see the same video and have a completely different perceptions. People saw Eric Garner's video. Some people saw a murder. Some people saw a cop doing his job yeah. with a very big, big person who was resisting arrest. There are people who, you know, so that's why there's nothing up, open and shut about it. Nothing. Can can someone be convinced that this man was just doing his job and that because he was the 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 reaction you see on his face is him trying to not display any response because he's being taunted by all of the bystanders. And at that point, he's frozen. He doesn't, he can't move. There's a thousand arguments you can make for why he's sitting there with his knee and his hands in his pocket. That's not normal. At that point, that's not normal and you can explain that. So hmm, could there be a couple of jurors who's receptive to that? Thinking that a police officer could be frozen in, in a situation because they know what the climate is and they see that the crowd is, is gathering. Is that is that an argument that could be made? Thank you, Cleaver. Cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much all the questions I had. If I don't know if anyone else has anything, I really, really. We haven't talked about what if Derek Chauvin takes the stand. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> if he takes the stand and then he tells you in that moment, I didn't. I didn't. Time stood still. I don't know how long it was. It did not seem like eight minutes, eight minutes and 46 seconds. When they told me that, I couldn't believe it. It seemed like everything was happening so fast. And all I was concerned with was the people who were getting, who, who were on the on the side yelling at me. And, and, and so I just, I just froze until somebody came to the ambulance came. Well, that's his argument. So he gets on the stand. He says that he sounds he sounds genuinely sorry. I, I I can't even imagine anybody putting this guy on the stand. I can't even imagine that. Listen, I'm not a lawyer. Right. I I cannot. Uh, I think there will be almost suicide malpractice to put this guy on the stand. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. It I wonder. Depends on how well you can prep your witness. I wonder how many witnesses, bystanders that they've gotten to testify. Obviously, the one, the woman who took the cell phone video, the video will come testify. But what are they going to say? They don't know what's in his mind. You know, this comes down to what's in his mind. Uh, did they? But they would. Would it help that they were testifying? Get off of him. You know, he can't breathe. He's not moving. That's got. That's got to be moving this way. We heard that on the video, so they can come say what we already heard. That's cumulative. I'm going to keep them out, Judge. We don't even need to have them come here and say that. We heard them say it on the video. Okay. That's cumulative. That's going to take up too much time for them to come and say what we already know. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that they still won't, you know, that they're not going to call them. I don't know if, if the defense is making that argument. That's the argument I would make if I was the defense. Uh, I believe that dog has a reasonable use of force. Well, see, so here's the thing, Chris Casey. You haven't heard the evidence. You don't get to make that determination. All right, you have to hear the evidence first before you can make a determination as to whether or not the prosecution has proved their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Every person right now, if you had to vote, 
and you are on that jury, you would have to vote not guilty because you haven't heard any evidence and he's presumed innocent. That's what the law says. And until you have heard enough evidence that convinces you beyond a reasonable doubt of his guilt, you can't find him guilty. And you haven't heard any evidence, Chris Casey, so you have to find him not guilty. I know you don't like it. That's the law. Is is Derek Chauvin's past record, his uh, um, his work record, admissible in this particular case? I don't know. I didn't. I I didn't see any um, application by the prosecution, and I may have missed it, but I didn't see any application by the prosecution to admit um, any prior work related, you know, maybe infraction or any founded disciplinary records or things like that. Um, I haven't seen anything like that. Would you, if you're the prosecutor, you're going to try to get that in, particularly negative things. If it exists, if it exists, and I can show that this police officer has a, you know, has a history of violating the civil rights of people, I absolutely would would seek to get that in. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, you know, but that, that it's a very delicate balance because the judge has to consider whether or not. You know, this is a defendant who's going to come testify whether or not certain things are going to be too prejudicial, right? If they're going to be more prejudicial than probative, meaning it's going to be more prejudicial than it does to prove the case, then it won't be allowed in, right? He's entitled to a fair trial. And we can't allow a jury to find him guilty based on proclivity. Right? Oh, your record says that you like to beat up people, so you did it before, so you did it this time. That's not that's not what you know ideally, right? In a perfect world, that's not what that's not how we want the justice system to work. So that's it. I'm gonna keep you too long. You know I can talk, right? So good. That was that. Please please let me know. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Unless anybody has any questions. Uh, Well, listen, I appreciate you coming back on. Good stuff as always. Appreciate it. I really, really do. Thank you for having me. Good talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, I haven't been doing much talking about Chauvin, so it's good yeah. to know a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is a big case, you know, and I can't, and, and uh, you know, as we mentioned, you know, we're in a, a really, really tough time in this country as far as the other, all these riots and stuff. And I, if this guy gets off, <laughs> you know, it's just batting down the hatches. I mean, it's, it's going down again. Well, that was the other side of having the third degree come back, right? Because it gives more room for the jury to, to, to compromise, to compromise. And, you know, they'll say not guilty to the top two and guilty to, to the last one just to, to, to sort of give both sides something. And I wonder if that's going to happen just to say, you know, okay, we, we don't really think this, but we'll give him the third degree and give him, you know, three years or in jail or something silly. So my prediction will be he'll be convicted of third degree, but he has to get at least the same amount of time as Muhammad Noor. He's got to get 12 and a half or more. Oh, I rhymed again. <laughs> Come on, Cap, give it to me. I'll give it to you. I'll I'll give it. All night now. <laughs> but he has to get at least the same amount of time, right? That's only fair. It's only fair. Ah, wow, I, I didn't even thought about that. That's, I don't know. I, I, th- I think they threw the book at New Orleans. I mean, 12 years. Oh, they're going to throw the book at him, too. It's the same count. 
uh, uh, clever Cleaver uh, asks as uh, ask a good good question. Could Chauvin's ex wife be a character witness against him? I don't think the defense is going to bring in any character witness. When you bring in character witness, you opened up the door. You open the door for negative character witness witnesses, right? So if you bring in someone to talk about your good character, I could bring up your bad character. I can't do that unless you open the door for me to do it. Okay. Okay. So just those disciplinary records and things of that nature that might not come in. You bring in the ex-wife to say he's a good guy. He would never hurt anybody. Well, I think she's gonna say he's a bad guy. That's. I think that's the point, right? I think she's gonna say he's a. Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, she divorced. She divorced him right after this whole thing went down. I mean, it was like two days later or something like that. She filed. Oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. So she, yeah. Who the prosecution would call? Oh, right. uh, yeah, the prosecution would call and say. That's not permissible. That's not yeah. permissible. Okay. Uh, Ken is asking uh, when the jury hears the toxicology results and reviews the video of Mr. Floyd repeating, "I can't breathe." This case will be basically over. I think the toxicology reports would be negative, right? That would be that would that would hurt the, the prosecution. Right. That's why I'm not. I'm, that's yeah. it's all contradictory there, uh, Ken, because the toxicology results show that he was intoxicated. Uh, he was, you know, he had what he had in his system. Um, opioids, right? He had opioids in his system. Opioids. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's not going to help the prosecution. It's not going to help. And so, when the defense is going to con contribute. The fact that he can't breathe to the fact that he was high, right. and, and he was overweight and asthma and right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that none of that is going to help the prosecution. That that's something the prosecution has to fight against. And that, but that's the the problem with this, Ken, is that you have an expectation that's going to leave you very disappointed, right? Because you very matter of factly think the case is just over. You just see that, but there are other people who are going to see something different. And again, you don't know how any of this evidence is going to be used in the trial, right? You may not, I doubt any of the arguments that I made here tonight will be used, right? But you don't know how they're going to use these arguments. Um, and, and the jury can't consider anything else but what is heard at that trial. Nothing else, no news stories, no none of that. Only what comes in at trial. And that's another thing, people, you have been exposed to everything. They get this much and they have to make a decision based on just this much. They may not come with the same outcome that you think they should have because they don't have what you have. They're not looking at what you're looking at and they are under, under the constraints of the law. Right. So at the end of the trial, the judge is going to give them what's called instructions. Instructions that says the prosecution has to establish these elements. And if they've established these elements, you must do this. If one element is missing, you have to acquit. Just one. You have to acquit. The law says you must acquit. That's why you hear some commentators saying jury nullification. Jury nullification. So jury nullifications is basically when the jury does whatever they want to do, regardless of what the evidence shows. When the jury says, you know what, you didn't prove it, but this shit fucked up. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, or, you know, in, in other instances where the, the prosecution does prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt, but the jury says this is unjust. This is, uh, you know, unjust. 
It's an unjust prosecution. We won't convict. And they find him not guilty, despite the fact that the evidence was overwhelming. Mm. Right. So any predictions on how long the trial is going to last? Uh, Clever's last going to. Oh, how long the trial will last? Um, I want to say three weeks. I don't think it'd be longer than that. Yeah. I was thinking too. The longest, I mean, the longest witnesses will probably be the experts. The longest and most boring. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've, I had to sit through a jury trial one time, and the the, the expert testimony was like, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, wow, this is brutal. <laughs> yeah. And they cancel themselves out, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Prosecution experts going to say one thing. The defense experts going to say the exact opposite. They cancel themselves out. And so you listen to to that nonsense for however, and you, it doesn't really help you much. And you right. still have to grapple with what exactly the facts are of this case. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Thanks. That's a good point. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks so much. Once again, yeah. I think we're closing out here. If there's no other questions or comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure always. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to go eat and watch Justice League. Because that okay. dropped today. So, right. <laughs> hey, right. ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Uh, there's no show next Monday because it's my birthday. I'm going to go celebrate. Oh, well, happy early yeah. birthday. Well, thank you very much. So, right. I will see you guys uh, next Wednesday, actually, next Wednesday. So, and uh, thank you to once again to my special guest there, Mr. Al Shabazz. Attorney Al Shabazz. Thank you once again. And uh, I'll contact you again when you've got something big coming on. So, much love and peace, everyone. Take care.